Dan's Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Drew Martin, and my big brother, Joel Chandran, also known as The Coach. Why don't we start with you, Drew? How are you doing? What's been going on in your life? Oh, it's been going pretty good. I think I've had a new baby since the last time we potted, so... Nice. That's four boys. Not a lot of sleep, but uh, things are going good. Glad it's summer. Good, man. Good. What's the baby's name again? Caleb. Caleb Martin in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. Coach, what's new with you? Oh, just visiting the peg right now. Last couple of days here, wrapping up a wedding and a uh, fun week here. Got to see a lot of people, eat a lot of disgustingly good food, and uh, probably pack them a few pounds, but good times all around. I'm not one of those people, though. No, not this time. I, I, I was time. told that he was going out to Selkirk on Sunday, but I guess he didn't make it out there. It yeah, didn't. He heard, he heard I was doing a Pride series, so he stayed away. <laughs> Part of the rainbow. Come on, guys. Well, I'm doing well as well, boys. Thanks for asking. You know, just holding it down in Toronto here and uh, not doing a pride series at our church, but we are doing some fun stuff too. I got, uh, yeah, got lots of fun stories at Church in the City. But why don't we start with our sports reverence quick hitter news? What's going on? Well, the Oakland A's might be moving to Las Vegas. That's a good quick hitter. Manchester City blah, wins the UEFA Champions League. That's soccer. Uh, uh, PGA Tour and Live Golf agree to a merger, as well as the DP World Tour. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, a bunch of Canadians on that team, win the Stanley Cup. Against another team that has a lot of Canadians on it. Fred Van Vliet opts out of his contract to become an unrestricted free agent. Which still means not a lot because, you know, he can choose where he wants to go. Blow it up. Blow it up. All right, let's go. First commercial of the day is Urban Hope is near and dear to my heart. It's a mentorship program for kids and youth that I run in downtown Toronto. Uh, We are gearing into the time of our summer camps, and we actually have two um, different summer camps this year, one in our St. Lawrence neighborhood, one in the Canary District. In the Canary District, we're running a camp with the largest uh, indigenous housing complex in Toronto called the Wigwamin Housing. And uh, they've opened up their door to us. It's a secular place, but they let us come in there and, and uh, use their space and to run a, uh, our, our Christian Bible camp. So uh, it's, it's a really cool picture of some of our uh, students that grew up throughout the Urban Hope program. They're now actually running the camp. I'm just there to oversee, make sure you know nothing major happens. But uh, they're actually running the full camp. So that's a beautiful picture of our Urban Hope mentorship program of these kids have grown up through the program, they've gone to university, and now they're pouring back into their community. So if you're able to support in any kind of way, uh, you can check out uh, churchinthecity.ca, or you can check out the Sports Reverend's website, and you can see the the places where you can give. Thanks very much. Coach? Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome back, team. Good to be back. Um, it'll be a little more consistent, we hope. So we say that all the time, though. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So, uh we're going to skip the, the sports sports part of the talk. I mean, we're going to dive right into the, I feel, the important topic for today. And it's about truth and holding on to your truth. Um, a lot of double standards here in sports, hey? Yes, no, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. Um... I mean, you could, you could jump into the, a women's league right now. 
and go play some sports and it'll be okay. That's true. That's true. Well, I don't think I could. I'm really out of shape right now. It's not good. Well, you can identify as being in shape. <laughs> I always identify as being in shape. <laughs> right there. Yeah. I'm also six foot six there. There you go. Um, so there's been a lot of different storylines across the sports world, the metaverse, including the live golf and PGA, um, where one stand is taken for one set or group of people and another is denied that stance. Or we take a claim, we make a stand, and we, as we so aptly title it, walk it back. So, for example, let's start with the, the Jokic slander and the MVP talk. Right? Um, I think, I don't know, sorry, I know our good friend Kendrick Perkins pretty much basically said on ESPN, uh, Jokic was only getting votes because he's white. And I think JJ Reddick pretty much called him straight out for that. And then he said, I did not, I did not, I did not, I did not. And and as much as I didn't listen to Kenneth Perkins at all before this, I think that's a total hit on his credibility. But the sports world just ran with this. Black lives matter. You have to be equal opportunists. And Jokic didn't deserve a didn't deserve a third back to back or third MVP. Um Thoughts? Let's start with you, Dan. Yeah, let's let's start by a giving Jokic his flowers. He has been absolutely incredible. His numbers throughout the NBA playoffs has been incredible. Almost averaging a triple double was nine point five assists uh, for his. I don't know, I think twelve rebounds and twenty five points plus. And uh, so he absolutely was a monster. Uh, clearly the best center in the game maybe even considered the best player in the game right now I, I i don't know if you're a gm if you're starting a team if you're taking anyone else over Jokic, and and there Ooh. is um and on top of that okay there's not just kendrick perkins i think it was the kendrick perkins effect but let's say mark jackson held Jokic off his mvp ballot um, yep. Even though even though Jokic even had a better season this year than he did the previous two years, and his team was number one in the Western Conference, there's a the Lakers a beat writer uh, who said that the Lakers after they beat the Warriors um, in the playoffs, they said uh, they got a straight line to the championship, and and over and over, there's so much Jokic slander, and and it all really did stem from this this race topic because I think in our world today people were forced to choose. Either you're going to jump on the Jokic bandwagon of him being an all-time great, or you're going to, to tear him down. And a lot of people that have tore him down are still trying to like save face and still say, oh yeah, but he had... Some people are saying he had an easy road to the NBA championship because of the seeds of, of the teams that he yeah. played. Because Minnesota, uh, there was the Lakers who were, uh, I guess, eighth seed. And, uh, Did they play the Suns as well? The Suns were were a decent seed, and but then the the Heat were a, a technically seventh seed, but eighth seed in the play-in tournament and all that, or in the East. So they said mm. they had an easy road. But if you look at who they played, like come on, Durant had not lost a game in the regular season since joining the Suns. Uh, he lost four out of uh, four out of I think they beat them in five uh, yeah. or maybe six. He lost four games in ten days against the Nuggets like that Suns team was really good and um, so I have to say 
the greatness of Jokic is so like he's in a category of his own, I think, right now compared to almost the rest of the league. I'd put Giannis right there because he's got two MVPs and a championship. So does Jokic. But, uh, you know, they're cut above. And so for all these guys to walk it back, like Mark Jackson now, if you anyone watched the NBA Finals, the, the whole series, he just was saying how great Jokic was and all this mm-hmm. stuff because he wants to keep his MVP vote and all that stuff. And, and people are walking that back. And uh, uh, But for the for anyone to even question him and Joel Embiid, it's like there's there's no facts that can support that. There's nothing. Drew, what do you think about the whole race playing into the MVP voting? And this, and this rhetoric about it needs to be a person of color. Yeah, it it's pretty silly considering, uh, like, I think you can look at race in, especially basketball. Like, <laughs> like it's it's a it's just not even really a. You could almost look at it the other way. Like mm-hmm. if, if if white people talk to I know if we're not supposed to play the what if game but like if if white people started to talk about the way black people like it it's yeah it it kind of looks racist the other way most of the time like I know I know Kendrick Perkins brought up he just wanted to say the three people who've won the MVP who yeah. weren't in the top ten scoring which isn't really even a factor uh, in MVP. Uh, then he just left it there. Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Nikola Jokic. But it's funny how their arguments change because these guys are European guys. Like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not even like the regular white people that they don't like. It's um, like That's you Jokic is from Serbia, and where's Dirk's from Germany? Doncic and like yeah. Like two of the top five players in the NBA right now are are white Europeans, um, so they can't use their regular, you know, white hillbilly racist jokes. Um, but yeah, it, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Jokic has just been clearly the best player, and he just clear like who's who can actually match up with Jokic in the league? Like, can can you see anyone actually being able to cover him? Yeah, everyone talked about Anthony Davis being, and when he's healthy, he could be the best player, best best defender, best player in the league. Jokic took him to like the 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 shed, just whooped him. Well, and Miami didn't have an answer. Like I don't yeah. I don't understand why Miami kept switching on on screens. Like how how often do you want to have Kyle Lowry be defending Jokic in the yeah. post? Like. <laughs> I saw it time after time, and yeah. they didn't even go to him every time. They no. they cut the Jokic more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like I just think it's so. Whenever they lose an argument, they they need to bring the race car. Like, right. It, it it just seems to be you know the the wild card that they have to any time they're behind in an argument, and but it just doesn't work. And I and I commend JJ Redick for actually standing up. Yeah. I know this a few months ago, but actually standing up and saying this is the problem. Yeah. Uh, we're part yeah. of the problem right now, creating narratives that don't exist. Because all you like the most valuable player award should be pretty objective, right? Like you look at the stats, you look at who's most valuable to their team. You take Jokic off that team, they're not a number one seed, and they're not an NBA Finals team. 
And and I'm not saying Embiid. Embiid, I think, was deserving of a. But their team wasn't good. Yeah, for sure. And and he he deserved to be in the conversation for MVP too. And I'm fine with him winning the MVP. It's just a slander that came with it with Jokic because I think they yeah. were pretty they were pretty neck and neck numbers wise, and and all that stuff. But why why I think... did they tear him down? Yeah, absolutely. And Embiid had a tough start to the year, right? Jokic had a had a, had, was more consistent over the time the whole season. Embiid came on strong at the latter half of the year. Has a lot of recency bias, and people tried to say, "Oh, it's the same thing when Jordan lost to Karl Malone with the voter fatigue," but it's not. It, it it's not at all because Jordan dominated the league for such a long period of time, and I don't know how Karl Malone won. In my head, Jordan probably paid somebody to to vote for Karl Malone so he could have some sort of. You know, mental check into the no, playoffs. It was Phil you know? Jackson. Phil Jackson. Yeah, Phil, so Phil, yeah. Got to motivate right? MJ. Yeah. So, like, the voter fatigue uh, rhetoric doesn't doesn't fly. It's all about what generates headlines. No one's watching ESPN anymore, right? Like, uh, Shannon Sharp is off outtake, but no one watches that show anyway. Like, it's all about how do we drive ratings, what's going to resonate with the people. And I'm sorry to say it, but... The wokists don't buy tickets to sports games. They don't care. Now, for whatever reason, they dominate the headlines. Everybody's claiming, oh, Stephen A. Smith is great, blah, blah, blah. I want more J.J. Reddick. I want to see more guys like J.J. Reddick. Not that he's left or right, but he's based on the facts. And some of the takes that J.J. has, no, I don't really agree with. But he comes prepped and ready to defend himself. And he's you know articulate and smart. And, well, come on. Duke oh, education, Duke, on. I know they take you so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still played in the league longer than all of us combined. So, um, <laughs> But the point the point I'm saying is, you're right. Like, it's all about what kind of story you can make. It totally swung the MVP vote. You know, somebody else with a different demeanor than Jokic would, might have cared. But we, here we have a guy who was – the fastest thing you want to do is go home and race his horses. <laughs> we got and the like, job done. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> like even just him walking the handshake line was just that's cool. He was a stone cold. But that was cool, right? right? He took the time yeah, to go. Yeah, no, I, Like what a humble yeah, guy. Yeah, and he just congratulated everybody, did his thing, and was like, okay, time to go home. But it's the walking it back. We want to focus coming back to this is when you, like Drew said, when you prove people wrong based on facts. Not just emotional, like yelling and screaming and whatever. You prove people wrong based on facts. They just have to walk it back. And when they walk it back, they don't admit they were wrong. They just change the rhetoric. Like we, I think I was having a conversation with one of the guys from church. I said, "Oh, Mark Jackson would be a great coach." And the next, the very next day, he said, "Oh, my bad for not putting Jokic on the MVP ballot." <laughs> if you don't think he's an MVP, just stand by it. Like, whether you're right or wrong, you had a reason for doing that. Just stand by it. As soon as he walked it back, I was like, oh, no, this guy cannot be this guy cannot be a leader of men. Can't be. And, you know, another example, we have the other way where somebody seems to be getting a pass is John Moran. Yeah, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, he's, he's got a gun on Instagram Live or Facebook Live a couple of times now. He's, you know, he's threatened... Miners, 
right, in, in public settings. And yet we still see John Morant commercials in the finals. His shoes are sold out. And you have somebody like Kyrie who said, I don't want to take the vaccine. And all of a sudden he's enemy number one. Where's the where's the fairness in that? Where's the rhetoric in that? Um, any thoughts on that, Drew? I, I think the NBA is invested in making John Morant. I think they're thinking he's one of the next faces of the league, right? So they yeah. need to... It's all about sales for for the NBA. It's been like that for a while. It's all about the money. And, and John Morant is popular. Like... Um, and Kyrie's sort of on the back end of his career. So I think it's easier to sort of throw him under the bus, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, and it goes along with the narrative that, that, uh, the NBA sort of, I, I don't know if they want to portray, but it's what sells, uh, yeah. It's what sells for them, right? We talk about sex sells. Well, basketball players being gangsters sells in the NBA. Yeah, we, we got the the effect that Jaw has on, on the youth. It's like, I get to see it firsthand. I literally get to see it firsthand where, where all these kids, they want to be Jaw. They, they want to act like Jaw. They want to do what Jaw is doing. And and after he gets all this notoriety of, 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 being being so stupid, he he, he it's even gone it's gone even further. And I don't think he even realizes the impact that he has. And because this is not the this is actually like like the fourth time he's yeah. had an issue. He's had one on the loading dock. He had the one where he got caught and Adam Silver gave him a slap on the wrist for eight games. And he had one other. I think it was like uh, I think it was in Toronto with the the drive by in the bus. There's like a laser pointer or something like no, that. No, no, Indiana or Indiana. There you go. And uh, so this is like the fourth time. And 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 what what are they gonna do, right? Like even if they give him twenty games, forty games, like that's just he plays only fifty games a season anyway. The NBA the NBA has uh, everyone load manages now anyhow. So so what is that really gonna do for him? And uh, he's just gonna get be well rested as they fight for an eighth playoff spot so i don't know i i think it's just completely insane how this is celebrated this is promoted um there's no real consequences for this kind of acting you know and and, and i'm telling you firsthand like youth in my neighborhood walking around with that, that kind of pistols thinking they're cool is is a real thing and that's that's happening in front of our eyes they're saying i'm job they literally say that and and that's the effect he's had so well, it's funny because he's the guy from Eight Mile. Yeah. The fake wannabe gangster. That's right. Like, if you want to be Ja, you're going to go to school, you're going to study, you're going to, you know, play, work hard in your game, and go to college. He's not, he's not a gangster. And, and again, people who grew up that lifestyle, I don't know anything about it, you know. But I know somebody is fake when I see it. We've all met fake tough guys. Right, John Morant looks like a fake tough guy, and I don't, I don't think he understands. He's still a kid, right? He doesn't get it. He clearly doesn't have anybody in his corner telling him to do the right thing. He's not Ray Lewis. 
<laughs> he's 24. He has a kid. Like, he's not that young. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean... He's got two yeah. parents at home. Right? One of them looks but like Usher. He has no one in his corner telling him, hey, you're being a dumb-dumb. In more explicit terms. You think at 24 with millions of dollars you can listen to your mom and dad? No. Well, no, and I think, but I think it's partially due to the culture built of that team in Memphis. Like, that's a that young... Maybe. That's a really young team with no real, like, who's the veteran leader on that team? Like, is Jaw the veteran leader? Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams, and and he yeah the the, the game bef- the the day before he went to that that uh, strip club and was the first time he got caught. Stephen Adams told his team it's getting time for playoff time. Cut all the garbage. You guys better keep it together. And he's out at two a.m. going to the strip club, flashing guns. So, yeah. So even having that veteran presence, like, what did it do? It only goes so far, right? It, it's up to you as a professional. Like you guys are professionals in your work day. You have, you know, I have to preach on Sunday, right? You may stay up to two a.m. finishing your sermon, or Drew may copy his dad's, but uh, you're putting in the work because you know you have to put a finished product on Sunday morning. There's no like, oh, I slept in, I'm going to be late. None of that matters, right? Because you have to come out and be professional, right? You all have, you both have strong people in your corner would say what are you doing if you didn't show up and didn't do your job correctly well and i think it's also this idea every every young athlete has this idea that they're going to play forever too right like that Mm, this is never ending invincible yeah um but i i bet when his time's up he's going to look back on these these years and say what what did i i wasted I remember watching the documentary on uh, uh, what was it, Doc and Daryl, uh, Daryl Strawberry and Doc, mm. the two players from the Mets in '86, and uh, yeah, both you know had their drug problems and rehab, but both could have been Hall of Fame players, Easy. but wasted away their early years with with uh, living the party lifestyle, and they both regret it to this oh. day. Yeah, you're given a short amount of time to do this in professional sports, and your legacy is what's really going to be anybody's going to care about. No one's going to be honest. I don't think anybody's going to care that Durant hopped around team to team. LeBron did it already. They're going to look at the number of rings he's won. If John Morant wastes his time, he's not going to get it back. And if, um, if you look at if you look at Memphis too, like Dylan Brooks has been hated and and basically kicked out because he went at LeBron James for being yeah. competitive. Like, he's just, like, I really don't think what he did was that bad. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, um, I'll hit LeBron. Yeah, like, take, take a free pass. Like, he, LeBron was going to do what LeBron was going to do in that series, regardless of what Dylan Brooks said. So yeah. I, I think as a giant scapegoat, I think it starts with Ja Morant not being a true leader, and he's got to learn how to lead a team, as you said, being a leader of men. And um, it's got to start somewhere like that. So... Yeah, agreed. I think, again, it's all about the storylines. It's all about how you fit into what the NBA culture wants, right? You look at Jonathan Isaac. You know, he's he started his own brand of counterculture, non-wokeism clothes. He's, he stood up for the anthem. No one's really, you know, paying him any attention. He's, he's still a great player. Good. Maybe good. We'll say good. If he can stay healthy, yeah. He, he was yeah. on track to be a great player. Yeah. yeah. Big time. 
but he didn't he didn't fit the narrative and he's just being pushed aside right so you, you see that and it happens through all sorts of professions but you need you need people it just shows like you need strong people in your corner help set you right um how about the biggest walk back coach what's the next yeah, next that's year? what i was that's what i was heading towards um Man, if you're uh, if you're Rory, you're just not a happy camper right now. PGA comes back with Live Golf and they just shake hands and all is good. Um, let's let's start with with, with you, uh, Dan. Wow, it's just clear. It's just clear how much money talks. Because wow, did they? Anyone who was with PGA Tour, they said Live Golf is corrupt. Their money is blood money. They're all this bad stuff, and how could you ever side with that? And uh, and now I don't know how long it's been. Maybe a couple months, not even, right? And no, it's been it's been a year. They, it's been a year. Yeah. Yeah. But a year, yeah. One year, and all that's been totally forgotten, and money just rules all. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Well, the thing is, like this, this was inevitable to happen. I'm surprised at the speed that it did happen because it came out of nowhere. Everyone yeah. was off guard when this announcement came. Um, but it's just inevitable that this was going to happen because um, Live Golf went through its first year. It was very successful, and their golfers are still some of the top golfers in the world. Brooks Kepka came out, won the PGA Championship. Uh, he's on track to to catch Tiger in uh, the amount of majors. Uh, wow. He's the same amount of majors at the same uh, age. Um, and Phil Mickelson actually had a good round today at the U.S. Open. Like these guys, um, I actually have a different take than most people. Like I was totally fine with what Live Golf did. Um, money's corrupt any way you look at it. Like. Seriously, like most brand, like most teams wear Nike jerseys. Like, where do you think those are made? Uh, I think it's I think it's actually hypocritical to judge the live players of the PGA Tour players wearing all of this. Like, they're all sponsored by <laughs> these companies that are run with blood money too. 100%. Like, um, and I think now they're just feeling embarrassed. Like, I actually feel bad for Rory and Tyke. Tiger turned down almost a billion dollars. Uh, that's what Live Golf offered him, and now all the, like Phil's coming back with his two hundred million dollars, uh, and Brooks Kepka's coming back and saying, "See you next week at the Travelers Championship." Because, um, yeah, I I actually love it. I I love that the Live Golfers are coming back, uh, and I think PGA players, the ones that stayed loyal, also need to thank the Live players because these these million dollar purses that they're now getting uh for these random tournaments like nick taylor won 1.6 million dollars at the canadian open that's he wouldn't be getting that uh without yeah. lift it and you know i i agree with you i think the whole live golf thing stroke a genius by greg norman yeah stroke a genius and well it's getting uh, golf out of the out of the dark ages right like yeah like let the guys wear shorts on the course. Like seriously, it's 120 degrees Fahrenheit out there. And I, for me, I I'm totally along with the hypocrisy thing because 
everybody's complaining about sports washing and Qatar getting the World Cup, Russia getting the World Cup, uh, Olympics going to China, and sports washing this, Saudi Arabia, blah, 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 blah. But when the events actually happen, no one cares. No one's boycotting it. <laughs> We're all still buying Nike shoes. And, like, there's basketball camps in China where kids are getting beaten up because they're not doing the drill right. And here we are, Daryl Morey speaks out about China and gets shut down immediately. Yeah. LeBron James pretending to read one page of every single book. Uh, he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> All these guys have just literal zero sense of the outside world. Like Steph Curry getting this big humanitarian award, yet complaining <laughs> about the homeless people shelter being built outside of his house. Like Stuff like this makes yeah, absolute so nonsense. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. And then when somebody again comes and upturns the apple cart, like Live Golf, and guys get paid. All of a sudden, oh, oh, we can't have this Saudi money, Saudi money, Saudi money. Please, we're yeah. in the U.S. They're still importing Saudi oil, right? You're still buying plastic stuff made from Saudi oil, right? You're still importing stuff from China, which is a communist regime, which is literally murdering Uyghur Muslims in northern China. We can't talk about that because it doesn't fit the rhetoric. And it's the same walking back nonsense all across sports, uh, brands, even politics. You can just pick it, you can name it. And there's all sorts of corruption, like Drew said. And it's really just doesn't fit the biblical theme at all. Right? The truth, when we talk about these things, is always in quotations. Whereas the truth that we know it in the Bible, we can't use quotations because it's the same and the same standard and when you look at the standard and you start applying in different areas the the blinders come off pretty quickly right when there's an absolute truth in front of you and you choose to say okay i'm gonna follow this it doesn't leave a lot of room for you to wiggle out of it and say oh but maybe i can do it this way and I think that's something that we're just missing from from all of this when we look at the lens of what's going on in the world. And, well, like, our world is... You, our world can't even decide if there is a right and a wrong right now, right? Uh, yeah. they, they, there's so much... Um, basically, believing whatever satisfies yourself is what's okay. And we can't even get to the the, the conclusion that no, there is a right and there is a wrong, and we can never, we could never have open discourse if we disagree with one another, which is a, which is a major problem. That's why when we talk about truth, and as as Christ followers, you know, we have to have it built into our foundation of everything that we do. Um, if it's not in our foundation, if it's not on what the Bible says, um, that, that that that's when you see people slowly bend in different areas of 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 failing and. Mm -hmm. that's where that's a slippery slippery slope well and it's our whole culture is based on not trying not to offend mm -hmm. so you take a stand and you hear someone say oh that offends me so you say oh that's not really what i meant i meant something else yeah. right and and it's hard and and i i found that um even through this month in the series that i'm in like looking out and like i'm almost I have to check myself because I'm almost 
reacting to people's facial expressions as I'm preaching, but it's like, no, I can't, I can't change the, I can't change scripture. Like, and, and what I said on Sunday is I would be doing people a disservice if I sugarcoated what the Bible says about sin and hell. And this is life or death stuff. And if we don't uh, tell people the truth, then we're damning people to hell. Have you had any pushback after any of your messages or anything like that throughout the week? Honestly, it's been mostly positive. Um, like, uh, yeah, like a lot of people thanking me for speaking about it because they just don't know how to do it. Like a lot of mm-hmm. them have family members and, and kids that are struggling with it. And, and honestly, our Sunday school, our kids church is going through the same series. Uh, obviously from a more kid's perspective, but they're the ones being bombarded with all this nonsense. And, and, um, cause that's their whole thing is like, if we can get them when they're young, Yep, the agendas get them when they're young. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, honestly, next week, uh, on the 25th, uh, we're having an interview with one of our members who, uh, was a former, uh, trans, trans woman and has transitioned back to being a man. And uh, we're having a sit-down interview with him. And, like, it's going to be powerful, um, just a conversation about the transformation power that God had in his life and, like, how God saw him throughout the whole thing. And, and yeah, so that's going to be really cool to sit down. And that's going to be our conclusion to our Pride Month series. That's awesome. awesome. Super good. Um, looking forward to checking that out. Have you got any pushback in a Trailblazer series there, Dan? Uh, I did. I, I have had some. Um, last Sunday, we were just talking about pouring into the next generation. We're going through the Book of Acts. And uh, one of the challenges, one of the passions we have at Church and City is to, to start a, a school one day because of what's being pushed in our current uh, public education system. And, and one of those things that I mentioned was a... Uh, a thing that's been going throughout Toronto is a drag show at elementary schools. And I was like, how can this be okay? This is where we need to take a stand. And, and it happened to be there was a, a, a couple that was there um, that was a lesbian couple. And they had some words for me after the service. But uh, I think I was able to have some pretty good discourse with them saying like, you know, um, let's get to a point first of somewhere where, you, where we can agree and and we both could agree on that, you know, adults exposing themselves and, and bringing toys and like things like that to mm-hmm. children is wrong. And we could agree on that. And then from there, uh, we kind of had some some positive conversation and um, was able to. I, I think when you're when you when you have a disagreement with someone, it's better to have a conversation like that on a one on one level than it is to do it in a public um, scenario. And 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 we have to be able to preach that way but then i think when we see real impact is also being able to have those one-on-one conversations and um and we basically ended the one-on-one conversation hopefully in a, in a more of a friendship kind of way but uh like 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 we've been talking about there's going to be more and more pushback as we continue as we continue to preach what is right and preach what is true and finding the balance like i have with drew here of of not trying to cater to anyone or not trying to do a disservice to anyone is something for sure is uh got to check ourselves on so but what what's kind of 
not funny, but I'll use the word funny to me is I think for the last couple of years, we've been talking about like, where's the line where we're not going to cross. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think as we're talking about what lines were, I think we've passed it. Like the fact that we have to talk about how it's wrong to have drag shows in elementary schools. Yeah. And yeah. teachers dressing up as women. Like there was that teacher in Toronto yeah. dressed up as a woman and like, and I yeah. think Christians for too long have been too far passive. off the sidelines, passive saying, mm-hmm. Oh, when, when, when we pass the line or when it gets to the line, then that's when we're going to stand up. No, you actually need to set your boundaries. And I remember talking about this in Bible school with the book that we read boundaries. Your boundary actually has to be well inside where you're willing to go. Yeah. Because if you put your boundary too close to the edge, you're bound to fall off. Mm-hmm. You're bound to get too close and fall off. Your your boundary for where the line oh, is. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It actually needs to be well in the safe zone uh, of where you're not willing to cross. So I think we've waited too long when and it comes to protecting our kids. For sure. For sure. And, and we've seen it firsthand, even with other people in ministry that have fallen off because they they let the, their boundaries be pushed. And that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough thing, holding your boundaries. It's an unpopular thing. But if you don't do it now, it's better late than never. Obviously, we, you know, we feel, I think we're all agreed things have gone too far. But people are starting to wake up, right? And again, reading your Bible, praying every day. It's a really silly little song, but uh, it's foundational in its truth. Uh, so let's wrap up for today. Any last thoughts, Drew, before we uh, call her? No, uh, it's good. Uh, the U.S. Opens this weekend. It's going to be really good the course has never been played for a u.s open and there is some ridiculous holes uh so that's what i'm going to be watching this weekend you guys won't be i've also got a amateur qualifier for golf this weekend how to be yeah so i'm doing that on saturday beauty there we go there we go daniel yeah that's uh no i'm not an amateur or anything anymore i'm uh uh, I'm just going throughout my week, and uh, I will say this: you guys can check out all these uh, socials that we're on. Uh, make sure you check out even Drew's church. Uh, I'm excited to hear that at Bethel Huntsville. Uh, I got Church of the City, Toronto. Uh, there's a Living Against the Green podcast that I've joined on that talks about similar things like this as well. And then obviously all things sports reverence. We need you following. We need you partnering with us as we continue to put out more content as we continue to, to uh, extend our reach we need your help to do so so please do that share us give us the five stars all the all the all of you above subscribe and uh yeah all right enough said glad to be back guys great pod we'll do it again hopefully in a week or so and uh, we'll run from there let's, let's go next time peace, peace.